Sunday morning and we are talking about uh, many different things particularly we came out of December and we started talking about the paganism of Christmas pagan means many gods there were many gods concerned with paganism I've been trying to show you how Israel was involved in this pagan worship they kept going after the sun and the tree and everything else is a branch off of this this did not start with Israel Israel received this if this is if this is Israel here on the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea and right above Israel is Tyre and Sidon they are always coupled together because they both were cities in what we call Lebanon and then right east of Lebanon up here in this area is Syria and Israel came Israel got their pagan worship from Lebanon or Tyre and Sidon from Syria and from over here in Jordan and down here in Egypt that was around before Israel was a nation when I had one fellow write to me and he said well Jehu destroyed all of the uh, sun and tree worship in Israel no he didn't Jehu destroyed the Baal and Grove worship in northern Israel he was the king of northern Israel this had all bled down into southern Judah uh, by the daughter of Jezebel and Ahab Jezebel brought her gods into northern Israel and that was brought on down into southern Judah by Ahab and Jezebel's daughter Athaliah and we went through her last week we got her killed off uh, she was an evil woman she had killed all of the seed royal of southern Judah because she wanted the throne for herself the Israel was involved in sun and, and tree the sun god was called Baal or Baal you can call it Baal and the tree goddess was called grove and the grove means upright it's the word Asherah A-S-H-E-R-A-H -E it means an upright goddess and you can see that goddess in Jeremiah the 10th chapter and Isaiah the 44th chapter where the Bible says they took a tree and they cooked with it and they warmed themselves with it and they made a god of it and bowed down to it well this this system called sun and tree worship or fire what was identified with the tree was the moon what was identified was the fire was the sun so this was nothing more than sun and tree worship it's the same thing everywhere you go in the world when you go into a South Sea Island into Borneo where you got all of these cannibals that are eating human flesh cannibal comes from the word Kahan Baal Kahan Baal was shortened to Kanabal Kahan is the word priest and the priest of Baal ate human flesh from their altars priest of Baal Kahanis priest they were Kahan Baals or C-A-N-N-I-B-A-L 
and they ate human flesh from their altars. This system was around a long time before Israel. It came out of Babylon, the mother of all idolatry, Revelation 17 and 5. My daughter-in-law was out shopping a few years ago, and she ran across this book. It's called The Shortest Day of the Year, celebrating the winter solstice. Uh, people think I make all this up. December the 21st is the winter solstice. December the 21st, the longest nights of the year, the shortest days of the year. The pagans thought the sun was burning out, so they said, we've got to do something about this. So we've got to have a festival to Saturn in Rome, Saturn. And Saturn was the father of the gods in Rome. And they wanted Saturn to appeal to his son, S-O-N, then and Saturn was the father of the gods. They wanted to appeal to his son because they thought the sun was burning out. And so they set up a birthday for the sun on December the 25th. That was the birthday of the sun gods in the ancient world. That's not something I made up. If you got McClendon and Strong, look up Mithra. Mithra Mithraism was the biggest competition for Christianity in the first, second, third centuries. That's what they worshipped. When Constantine brought Christ Mass, and it is Roman Catholicism, he brought it into the church. When he did that, they renamed the festival of Saturn. They renamed it Christ Mass. Christ Mass. The Mass is eating human flesh. That's what they have in the Catholic Church when they raise the Eucharist up and they utter the words hoc est corpus eum fili and they say that turns into the literal body of Christ and you got to eat that to go to heaven. Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. But he turned right around and told him what it meant. He said, my flesh is meat indeed. Indeed is the word alethase. I've said this so many times. Alethes means of truth. That's the word indeed. When you eat of truth, yeah, that's the very definition of alethes. When you eat of truth, you take off the cover because truth is alethea, A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A. In the Greek text, it comes from lanthano, meaning to hide or conceal. And when you place the alpha, the first letter of the Greek alphabet, in front of a word, I didn't place it in front of a word. That's the way it's inspired in the Bible. Alephase means not to hide anything. It negates the following word. What I'm trying to do is, I'm trying to document with all kinds of illustration how paganism it is. When you look at this book, I can't read all of it. It's just like a, it's for little kids to teach them about the winter solstice. I'll get that. Hold on. It's about the winter solstice. But let me read a few little excerpts from it. It's supposed to be a cute book for kids to read. Let me read here. In late autumn, the northern part of the world, squirrels hide nuts, foxes grow thick fur coats, and flocks of birds fly to warmer places. How's that? Ain't that cute? The sun rises late each morning and sets earlier each evening. 
Each day it appears lower in the southern sky, and the sun gets lower and lower, and the north gets less and less sun daylight, and the air grows colder. Ain't that interesting? Chickadees fluff their feathers to keep warm, woodchucks hibernate in their burrows, and white-tailed deer nestle through the snow to find the last blades of grass. Let me just read a couple more of these pages. It's just mushy stuff for children. On long winter nights, families eat dinner while it's dark outside. If you're eating dinner at 5 o'clock in the middle of December, it's dark. If you're driving home from work, it's dark, isn't it? And then children wonder when the days will get long again so they can play outside after dinner like they did in winter. And the religious people or the pagans made this unholy day out of it and we have adopted it to our lifestyle. And then it goes on in the north on or around December the 21st, the sun reaches its lowest point in the horizon, making that day the shortest day of the year. And it goes on and on. Long ago, people didn't understand how the earth tilts. I've told you it tilted at 23 and a half degrees. Over the years, people noticed that after short days, the days get gradually longer. Joyous people bathed in the sun's warmth and light. About 5,000 years ago, how's that? Long before Jesus, people studied the sky and noticed that the day after day, the sun set in different places on the western horizon and they made holidays out of it and so forth and it goes on and on and says nothing about jesus it's not about him it tells you they decorated their homes with all of these uh, wreaths and evergreens because they considered them holy they considered them holy trees because they could live through the dead of winter in the scandinavian world that's enough reading on this I've got another book here I've started to read to you and it's I like to document what Israel did why Israel was scattered all over the earth while they came back and became a nation May the 14th 1948 now this is a book that goes right along this is called 4,000 years of Christmas How's that? Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. This is talking about 4,000 years before it was Christmas. It was the Feast of Saturn in Rome. And it had other titles in other nations. What is amazing, Sidney, our old song leader, he had to move back to Louisiana uh, after he, he retired. And he had a book. It was called Christmas Songs. And being a music uh, director and a music teacher in school, he had this book, he said, for 25 years and had never looked at the front of it. And in the front of it, it gives you the story of Christmas. And I've passed some of these out to some of you. It's really funny because here's how it starts. He said, I never even read that copy until you started preaching on it, I started looking at it and going, wow. It says in this music book for high school kids, he taught high school music, it says the earliest source of Christmas customs is probably the Sumerian civilization. Now, when you, it says Sumeria, Sumeria is not Sumeria. Whenever you see Sumeria, let me explain this. 
the difference in them. Some area is actually northern Israel. There's many names for northern Israel. Joseph, long after he's dead, and his second-born son Ephraim received the inheritance of all of Israel, and that's the ten northern tribes, the ten northern tribes, and the two southern tribes was Judah and Benjamin, Judah and Benjamin, and that was split. That's amazing to me. Judah and Benjamin, Ephraim received the inheritance, out of Judah came the king. But God split the kingdom because Solomon, I don't know why he did this, because Solomon believed God. He married a thousand women, 700 wives, 300 concubines in the 11th chapter of 1 Kings. Now read that. Sometimes just take your time to read it. And God says, I'm taking the kingdom away from you, and I'm giving it to your neighbor Ephraim. But he had already done that. That's what's funny. God will say, I'm going to do something. He's already done it. Because if you back up to Genesis, the 48th chapter, when, when uh, Joseph comes over to, e not Joseph, Jacob comes over to Egypt after Joseph had been sold into Egypt, and they stay there for 400 years. After he comes to Egypt, uh, Jacob says, bring your sons before me. So he brought his two sons, and, jo and Jacob, I'll get in a minute, he, uh, Joseph's two sons, Joseph's two sons was Manasseh and Ephraim. And you can see this story. This is where God transfers from Jacob, he transfers the inheritance to Joseph through his second-born son Ephraim. He brings his two sons to brings his two sons before Jacob, and so Joseph plans it out. He says, "I got this thing planned out. I know how it's supposed to be." He thinks. That's what's funny. We think we know what we're supposed to do until God gets hold of our life. And God does this same thing with us. And Joseph took his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head. That's his second born because the second borns don't get the blessing. And Jacob's sitting here and he's going to put J Ephraim, I'll get right of it. Joseph thinks he's going to put his left hand upon Ephraim's head for him to get the lesser blessing. And he puts his left hand, Joseph puts his left hand upon Manasseh's head, so he lead him to, ja to Jacob's right hand. Once the right hand is placed, it can never be withdrawn. And Joseph brings his sons to him, and Jacob does this. He crosses his hands and puts the blessings on Ephraim, the second born, just like the second birth receives the blessing from God. Joseph said, not so, Father. Manasseh is my son, even my firstborn. And Jacob says, I may be old, but I'm not stupid. 
I know what I'm doing. God knows what he's doing with your life, with my life. So Ephraim becomes, he has the inheritance. That's why I tell you, you've got to read that 48th chapter and see that Ephraim had the blessing and the ten northern tribes were led by Ephraim. And when Israel was scattered, northern Israel was scattered in 722 B.C., and southern Judah was scattered in 586 B.C. Each one of those, the Assyrians scattered northern Israel. You know, what does this have to do with Christmas? It has everything to do with it. It has to do with Israel and their sun worship. And God says, you keep doing that. I'm going to send the sword, the famine, the pestilence over and over and over for 500 years. I said this to Ben and Holly last night. I said, God, it took God 500 years to get fed up with Israel, and we've only been a nation for a little over 200. You think God's not fed up with America? He's going to come after us. He's going to get you. <laughs> and he's going to get me if we're not obedient to him. Well, southern Judah was scattered in 586, and it was all for Christmas. Under another name, Baal in the Grove. That's what it's about. Let me read something to you here. Well, Samaria is called, northern Israel is called Samaria. Now, Sumar, S-U-M-A-R, S-U-M-A-R, Sumar was southern was southern Iraq on the Euphrates River, and that's where Babylon was. That's where Christmas started with Babylon. Let me read this. This came out of that book from a music director and didn't know what he even had for 25 years. Marduk, who's ever heard of Marduk? Sounds like some cartoon character, doesn't it? Marduk, the chief god of Sumer, S-U-M-E-R, won the position by engaging in a titanic battle with Timot. This was about fire and tree gods of long before Israel came along. The goddess monster who ruled the underworld kingdom of chaos, Marduk killed her and fashioned the world from her corpse. This world of Marduk's making had to be rejuvenated periodically when vegetation withered and died that was at the winter that was at the fall equinox when the sun is dimming like i showed here this sounds like something out of history well it is it's like what do we have to do with that we ain't got nothing to do with it that's why we don't need to be doing christmas where's my well i got it somewhere here oh here it is that's like, I'll go back to it. Hit right here. I had uh, Jesse draw this up. This is the summer solstice, June the 21st, the longest days of the year. This is the time of crops. And then when you get to the equinox, which means equal night, you get to where the sun is losing the battle and you get to the winter equinox, the fall equinox, and you start you losing 30 seconds a day, and then it increases more and more till you get down to 
the winter solstice. And the pagans studied the stars and they said, we're losing the sun. So we got to have a festival for the father of the sun gods. And that'll be December the 17th through the 24th. And then they threw the Yule log in the fire and said, now we'll have, now we'll have crops in the spring had nothing to do with crops in the spring. It had to do with the earth rotating around the sun on its axis. That's all. God said, I'll give you crops if you obedient to me, and then I, if you're not obedient, I'll take them away from you. Israel wasn't, and that's why they were carried away. What's amazing to me, most people do not, they know all about Israel being in bondage for 400 years. But most people do not understand when they were carried away. They were in captivity for 2,600 years. That's the captivity. And when they were carried away, that ends Israel's history. That ends Israel's history in the world until May 14th, 1948 and that is prophecy I don't have time to go through all that I'm still on the Christmas thing let me read just a little more of this an elaborate festival Zagmuk sounds like that candy bar Zagnut Zagmuk Z-A-G-M-U-K was established to persuade Marduk these are the gods long before Israel. Marduk to return to the underworld. When they're talking about the underworld, this is about crops. We know that at the, at the end of the harvest, October 31st, this is what they call the end of the harvest. And they knew that the sap either went down in the ground or it was being stolen until the vernal equinox and that means fall the fall equinox equal night and that was when you get to March March 21st and this is time for the crops to start coming in and what was God's promise to Israel look at the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy he said I am the fertility God these are not fertility gods. I am. I'll fill up your storehouse, your storehouses, your fields, and you'll have everything. But if you're not obedient to me, well, the thing that really got Israel was the sabbatical years. God says over in the 25th chapter of Leviticus, I want you to take every seven years and you don't do nothing to the land. You leave it alone. Do you know that the 70 weeks of Daniel is what this is about? And if you talk to somebody about the 70 weeks of Daniel, they don't have any idea what you're talking about. Baptist preachers, even a lot of the scholarly people, don't know anything about it. It's fairly simple. God says, because you never kept these for 500 years under a kingdom from the first king Saul, actually God was their first king. He said, you desired a king to rule over you when I was your king. Well, if God was king of the Jews and Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, and the I am God is the God of the Old Testament, if that's true, then Jesus was the king of the Jews long before he came was born of the Virgin Mary. 
wasn't he? He was king of the Jews all through the Old Testament. He said, I was your king. Well, we want a man king. So for 500 years, God sent sword, famine, pestilence. All those stories, whether it's about the 12th chapter of 1 Samuel when they're anointing Samuel to be king, and Samuel is warning, not Samuel, Saul, they're, warning, they're making Saul king of Israel, and Samuel is warning them, if you, if you go after these other gods, these sun and tree gods, God will send you so much rain it will wash your crops away. They said, oh, please don't do that. And they paid no attention to it, and they went after the other gods. They did not want to keep these sabbatical years. And he said, I'm going to carry you away into captivity. I'm going to give you 70 years. I'm going to take those sabbatical years. You missed 490 years. 490 years where you never kept these sabbatical years. And those 490 years was, was seven, 7 times 70. There were 70 sets of those. 7 times 7 is 49 or 490. They had 70 sets of these. So God says, what I'm going to do, put you in Babylon for 70 years. If you don't come back, then I'm going to measure out that 70 times 7 against you. And when we get to the end of that 70 times 7, that'll be at the end of time, the last seven years of time. And how do we know what these other 40, these other 69 years are? The Bible tells us in Daniel 9, 24, 25. Gabriel comes to Daniel and said, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people to finish all of this transgression against me. Israel transgressed against God. People don't know they were in captivity until from Nebuchadnezzar when he carried southern Judah away until May 14, 1940. Actually, it's actually the Six-Day War of 1967. 1967, June 5th through June 10th. Why do you say it's that time, Jim? Because that's where that Israel took Jerusalem back from the Jordanians, threw them out of Jerusalem since they were carried away into captivity because of their sun and tree worship. So, they were in captivity that long, and God says, from the going forth of the commandment, this is Daniel 9.25, he said, 70 weeks or 77s are determined upon you. Daniel was crying out to God, how long are we going to be in captivity? And God's, God has Gabriel go to him about the time of the evening oblation and tells him, this is how long you've got to be in captivity. He says, until the land has enjoyed her Sabbaths. And he said, from the going forth of commandment, to restore and build Jerusalem. Jerusalem had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar in 586. It had been leveled to the ground. There was nothing left. When Nebuchadnezzar came in, they tore down the temple. They took all of the vessels of the house of the Lord out. They plowed up the town. What they would do, 
they would tear down it. When they were going to devastate a place, they would tear all the buildings down and they would plow the entire place up with just with their plows. And then they would sow salt throughout all the land so nothing would grow there. And Israel, just a few years after Nebuchadnezzar carried them away, it looked like a wasteland. He said, from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem, when was that? That was in Nehemiah, the second chapter. Nehemiah was, uh, he was a cupbearer for Artaxerxes, the, the monarch of the Persian Empire. Persia had overthrown Babylon in 539 B.C. Babylon overthrew Israel in 586 and Persia. Persia is, you see, I don't know Persia. Let me tell you what Persia is. It's on this map right here. We need to study with maps so we know what it's all about. Here's Persia. Persia is Iran. Turk, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. This is all Persia, and they came in and conquered Babylon. How did they do that? They, Babylon said, we can't be conquered. And the reason they said they couldn't was because Babylon was a city that straddled the river, straddled the Euphrates. There was a seven-tier bridge that went from one side to the other so they could walk over it. It had like, if this is the Euphrates River coming down, it went around Babylon, went around it, and it went through it. And they had, and, uh, they had this bridge going across and so they had 300 foot walls or 300 about 380 foot walls and the boat that was around it where the river ran was about 350 feet deep so you couldn't get to them they said we can't be conquered everybody's got a weak spot and when Cyrus, the Persian king, we call it Iran, when he came over there, what he did, he took the obvious way around Babylon. He went north of Babylon, put a dam up here north of the Euphrates River, north of Babylon, diverted that out into the desert of Saudi Arabia, marched down the riverbed, they had left the gates open. They were all drunk. You can find that in Daniel the sixth chapter, or Daniel the fifth chapter, excuse me. And you can find that where they go in and Cyrus sees Belshazzar parting with the vessels of the house of the Lord that had been carried away by Nebuchadnezzar. Said, you're under arrest. Follow him and kill him. That was his last day. And then they took over. And these four decrees... To bring Israel back, I'll tell you, I wrestle with something. I wrestle with whether Cyrus was a believer, whether Darius was a believer, whether Artaxerxes was a believer. These were men, when the Bible says in Zechariah, 
the fourth chapter, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. God says Israel will not be delivered out of Persia by any great army. It won't be might. It'll be by my spirit when I go to Cyrus, the king, and have Cyrus give a decree to Israel to go back to to go back to Israel and rebuild the temple. But Cyrus is a Persian king. How did that get in his head? God says it'll be by my spirit. And then after Cyrus comes to rise, you'll find Cyrus's decree in Second Chronicles, the 36th chapter, 36. And you'll also find it, you turn the page, from Second Chronicles, you go right into Ezra, and you'll find it twice. How about two witnesses? You'll find it twice in Ezra, the first chapter, the first four verses, one through four. That'll be Cyrus' decree to rebuild the temple that Nebuchadnezzar annihilated. All this was why. Israel went after what we call Christ's mass under another name, Baal and the Grove. That's what it's about. If God's going to kill millions of Jews for that, what do you think he's going to do to America for just ignoring his words? I believe America's going down. I don't believe those guys in Washington have any idea what they're doing. Nothing. The Bible says at the end of time in Luke 21, 25, there'll be distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear for the things that are coming upon the earth. This thing is going to go down. We, we owe $23 trillion in a national debt and it's growing constantly. We couldn't pay off $23 trillion in 100,000 years. Do you realize that? They show once in a while, they'll show on TV how much a trillion dollars is. They said, go to the moon and back if you lay it hand in hand, just one after the other. A trillion dollars is amount of money we owed a trillion dollars national debt about 1989 when reagan was going out of the office now we owe 23 trillion the debt keeps growing and there ain't no way out the bible says there'll be distress of nation with perplexity aporia no way out what was this all about it's about israel's disobedience to god when they were a nation under kings so God says, I'll send sword, famine, pestilence. Why do you think Elijah walked up? I told you how Ahab married Jezebel. She was the princess of Tyre. Her father was the king of Tyre. See that little land right there? That's Lebanon. That was Tyre and Sidon. And, and Ahab's palace was up there right close to the border. And somehow at a party one night, he sees Jezebel. Jezebel's father was Ethbaal. It means with Baal. And somehow he saw this hot woman. Jezebel had to be good looking because Ahab had his choice of all the women in northern Israel. And she was a witch. She brought her gods down into northern Israel. And in that 16th chapter of 1 Kings, Ahab sets up 
temples for Baal and the grove in northern Israel. He makes northern Israel a Christmas nation, or should I say Roman Catholic nation. Long before there's Roman Catholicism, he sets up the same system that Constantine brought in the church in 325 A.D., and they renamed the Feast of Saturn Christ Mass. Let me tell you something. I hate Christmas with a passion. I love Jesus with all my heart. I don't celebrate Christmas because I love Jesus, and I don't want to make him unhappy with me. I discovered this many years ago. So, where was I? All right. These decrees. Cyrus gives the first decree. Gives that in Second Chronicles 36 and Ezra 1. Then Darius is the king, and the Bible will say he's a Mede king. But something you have to understand. The Medes and the Persians, Persian Mede Empire, Persian Mede, was a dual empire. So sometimes the king would come out of Persia, sometimes it would come out of uh, the Medes. I looked into the Medes. I believe the Medes were, they were here in northern Iran, up here in this area. That's where these people, the, uh, can't get, can't call the name, they are, they came out of Europe and they came into Persia and they mixed with the Persians, the Kurds. I believe the Kurds, I talked to a Kurdish man downtown at the market down there. I said, with all this opposition to the Kurds in Persia, in, a, in Iran, and Iraq, I said, do the Kurds have a people? He said, yes. They have a citizenship? He said, yes. I said, do they have boundaries? He said, no. He said, we just live in northern Iran and the eastern parts of Iraq. And he said, we are just, we just live there. I said, you have a king? He said, yes. The Kurds are like a lost people. We, and some believe that was the Mede people that came into, into what we would call Iran, but that is nothing but Persia. Babylon is Iraq. When you read it in the Bible, that's the way you need to look at it. And here's Israel over here on the eastern end of the Mediterranean. Here's Syria, and you're going to read all through the Bible about Syria attacking Israel, Jordan here. Uh, in Jordan, they had uh, Amman, Jordan is northern in northern Jordan. Amman, Jordan is the capital of Jordan. And the Ammonites were worshipped uh, Molech, which was a sun god. And southern Jordan was Moab, and they worshiped Shemash, a sun god. So it's only natural that Israel, when they got involved in this, they pulled it in from outside. That's why God got mad at all these nations. So when, so when Ahab sets up sun and tree worship in the 16th chapter of 1 Kings, 
the first thing that God does after that, the 17th chapter, he sends Elijah right into the court of Ahab and says, Ahab, there'll be no rain for three and a half years. There will be famine like you have never seen. I'm out of here. But he knew what that was. Why do you think Elijah did that? And there was no rain, not even dew on the ground for three and a half years. How many people would die in America with no rain for three and a half years? They died by the hundreds of thousands. And Jezebel heard that Ahab had done that. Uh, Samuel, I'll get it right in a minute. Elijah had made that pronouncement. She said, I'm going to kill that guy by this time tomorrow. The thing is, it wasn't Elijah's fault. He's pronouncing the judgment of God. It's not God's fault or the preacher's fault when you don't like the truth that's going on. It just is what it is. Well, after, after Cyrus gives his decree, Israel gets some flack from a man named Tatanai, T-A-T-N-A-I. Tatanai is the enemy of Israel. They have started coming back from Babylon, going back over to Israel. When they get there, they're rebuilding the temple because they got the instructions from Cyrus. Rebuild. Well, they, get, they start rebuilding in 538. B.C. Why all of these dates? Because they're important. They're important in understanding the captivity of Israel. In 538, will they build until 536? And then this guy Tatanai steps in and says, you are a rebellious nation and I'm going to go back over here to I'm going to go over to Persia and I'm going to tell the king on you. I'm going to tell Darius about you. You're trespassing. And he didn't know they had a decree from the governor or from the king to rebuild. So Israel got scared. And they stopped building. They stopped building for 16 years. So that puts them at 520. They don't build for 16 years. They just quit. And they've had a decree, a decree from Cyrus the king that they had a right to build. So, two men rise up. Two men rise. And they're prophets of God. Haggai and Zechariah. And God tells them, you go tell Israel, I said, to start building the temple again. Well, the first thing they do is send a, an ambassage or ambassadors over here to Darius. And the one that goes along with them is Tatanai. He goes over there. He wants to be there to make sure that Darius tells them, we're going to kill you if you keep building. But they didn't know that the decree had been given. Once the decree was given by a Persian king, it could not be changed, not even by the king himself. So Darius said, what we got to do, we got to dig into our history. 
we've got to get into our archaeological digs and find out where that decree is because Cyrus is long dead. And this is in 520. And they hunt around and they go to the palace of the, of the deceased king and they find this decree. The Persians had decrees that the Bible says in the 6th chapter of Daniel, they alter not. You couldn't change the decree of the, of the Persians. Once it's made, it's there for life. For the life of the empire. So, they get together, get back to Darius, they find this decree. You can't make a decree again after one is made. I hope you understand that. That's like you got a 70 mile an hour speed zone down here. You can't go to the court and say we'd like to make a 70 mile an hour speed zone in that place where there's already a 70 mile an hour speed zone. You can't do that. It's already there. Once the decree is given, it's there. When you look at Daniel, the sixth chapter, Daniel loved Darius. Darius loved Daniel. But Daniel had some enemies. Darius had made Daniel the chief, the chief prince of all the princes. So these other princes got together and they said, they said, let's uh, trick the king about Daniel. Let's go to him and polish him up. Tell him you're the great king and nobody's king but you. And anybody that prays to anybody else, he needs to be thrown to the lion's den. They stroked Cyrus, or Darius, excuse me. They stroked Darius till he consented. Okay, anybody who prays to any other king. Well, Daniel goes home in front of his window, kneels down and seeks Jehovah God. And the enemies of Daniel run back to the king and say, You said whoever prayed to another god in the next 30 days has to die. Daniel is praying to his god. And Darius is going, Oh, me, what have I done? Because Darius loved Daniel. So he takes Daniel to the lion's den. And Darius says, Daniel! Your God will deliver you. And he does. The lions go lay down and go to sleep. <laughs> and the Bible says the reason Darius couldn't deliver him was because the laws of the, of the of Medes and Persians alter not. That word alter means to change. You can't change it once it's made. He had to put Daniel in the lion's den. He didn't want to because of these guys that tricked him. He said, well, now that that's over, Daniel's out and he's alive. Throw them in the den. And they threw him in the den. The lions ripped him apart and ate him up. Watch out what you do against God. But the point I brought out, the law of the Medes and Persians did not alter. And when you get to, so all that Darius could do was give a decree that verified the decree of Cyrus. That's all he could do. He couldn't give another decree. It was already decreed. You understand that? Then you had a third decree. Artaxerxes was the king. He was a Persian king. Art. 
A-R-T-A-X-E-R-X-E-S. Artaxerxes. There were several Artaxerxes, but the biblical Artaxerxes is the one that gave the third decree. Third decree. When he gave the third decree, he, they needed help with the temple that they were building. Babylon, or Artaxerxes is the king, and he's got his headquarters in the city of Babylon. They all like the city of Babylon. Beautiful place. He's got, so it's about 650 miles away over here to Israel. So he makes a decree on that third decree. That's in the seventh chapter of Ezra. The, the second decree is in the sixth chapter of Ezra. I've never heard anybody even teach on Ezra. Some of the most important things in the Bible are in the book of Ezra. Ezra is the, he is a priest of God. He's a descendant of Aaron, the high priest. He's a high priest. It was Ezra who correlated the Old Testament and put it all together. I think he needs a little recognition, doesn't he? And he's given us all these decrees. And the third decree was given in the Ezra, the seventh chapter. Ezra 7. Why is all this going on? Because Israel went after Christ's mass. I'm just going to keep stopping it and reminding you of that. So the third decree was given. They needed help with the priest robes, sheep, things that they needed over here in Israel to do the work of the temple. So he sent money back, sent more priests because they had a shortage of priests, and he sent all kinds of things to supply the temple. That's the third decree. There was no, nothing in the decree in the 6th and 7th degree that talked about rebuilding the city. From the going forth of the commandment to re restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince will be seven weeks, three score and two weeks, seven weeks, three score and two weeks. A score is 20. Three is score is 60 plus two is 62 plus 7 is 69 of those weeks. 69 of the weeks of years. They're weeks of years because Israel went for 70 sets of those sabbatical years they never kept. So 69 of the weeks will end from after 7 weeks, 3 score, and 2 weeks. 2 plus 60 plus 7, that is 69 of the weeks, 483 years, 483 years. So from the going forth the commandment, that's the fourth decree, Nehemiah, Nehemiah the second chapter. Nehemiah was a cupbearer in the court of Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes loved Nehemiah. When you look at the first chapter of Nehemiah, Nehemiah hears the word. He hears the word that Israel has been burnt to the ground. You say, how could he be hearing so 
many years later they didn't have internet they didn't have newspapers it was a long time been over 140 years since Israel had been burnt down and Nehemiah being a Jew over here in Babylon Nehemiah heard his brother his little brother came in the first chapter of Nehemiah and said Israel is destroyed it broke his heart now one thing you couldn't do in the court of a Persian king was to weep or cry or look sad you could die for that but Nehemiah in that second chapter he could not stop himself but Artaxerxes loved Nehemiah so much the cupbearer sometimes they were called the butler a butler is not one who, offered, who answered the door it was a cupbearer cupbearer was the closest to the king he would be there so he could tell the king here's the cup you, you, you asked for and the king would say you taste it and if you die I won't drink it that's what a cupbearer was for Whew. and there were so many people out to get the king so he was and usually a cupbearer was a eunuch they castrated him because they didn't want him having children to raise up to come against the king so Nehemiah may have been a eunuch probably was Nehemiah was faithful to God at one point one of the enemies of Nehemiah tried to get him to go into the temple and offer sacrifice a eunuch couldn't go in there and besides that Nehemiah couldn't go in there he was of the wrong lineage you can't go in there and do things like that God would kill you but the king asked Nehemiah why are you so sad in my presence he said my people's city is burnt to the ground he said can you give me letters this is in the second chapter of Nehemiah will you give me letters anything that a Persian king signed was law and he gave him letters to go back and rebuild Jerusalem he said Nehemiah I will miss you how long are you going to be gone 12 years he was gone to go be rebuild the temple of God his story is amazing he gets more and more opposition from a man named Sanballat that guy was a scoundrel he's trying to stop everything that Nehemiah was doing I love Nehemiah you get to the 13th chapter of Nehemiah and he finishes the temple in the ninth he finishes the city in the ninth chapter of Nehemiah in the 13th chapter they finish the city they've got the gate open on the Sabbath and all of a sudden all of these pagans are coming in with Jews coming in with their wares to sell on the Sabbath Nehemiah said what are you doing do you not know what God did to us because we broke his laws he said if you don't stop this I'm going to come down and lay hands on you he didn't mean he's going to go pray for him and he said that it came to a point the Bible says that they had intermarried with all these pagans Israel 
after they've been scattered for doing the same thing. And Nehemiah's reaming them out and shooing them out and saying, what? I don't know what you think you're doing. You're back to your old tricks. And he said that the children could speak mostly in the part of Ammon's language and the Moabites and the good not speak the king's language because the women would stay at home, teach the kids son worship while the father went off to the field to work. That's why he kept saying, you cannot take these pagans. This is where people come up with color, skin, racism. It's stupid. It has nothing to do with color of skin. God says, when you go into the land, don't intermarry with these heathens. You'll end up serving their gods. He's not talking about color of skin. And the KKK got a hold of those verses. They'd say, you're not supposed to intermarry races. That's not what it says. You're not supposed to intermarry with unbelievers. I don't care if you marry a white woman and you're white. You're not supposed to marry her. You're not supposed to run in your life with unbelievers. And Nehemiah, the Bible says in the 13th chapter, they were all not paying any attention to him. And Sanballat was Nehemiah's enemy. He hated Nehemiah. He had tried to get him to go into the temple. Nehemiah said no. So Nehemiah went down there and started pulling their beards out. says, I told you to stop this. And he said that the brother-in-law of the high priest was sad about it. Good grief. If God is doing this and this unhappy, and Nehemiah finished the 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 building the city in Nehemiah the ninth chapter that was around 532 B.C. he got the decree around 444 B.C. to rebuild the city of Jerusalem but from the but Israel is not repentant America's not repentant America just doesn't want to repent you think America's repenting they don't even know what repent means. I preached at Henry's at Henry's uh, Ramey's memorial yesterday. Preached on predestination. Those people came around to me and said, we never even heard this before. We didn't even know what it meant. People don't know that Christmas was under another name in the Old Testament. And that extremely disturbed God. So the fourth decree is in that second chapter of Nehemiah. And from the going forth of that commandment unto Messiah the Prince, when Jesus comes in Jerusalem and Luke, the 19th chapter, and Jesus looks out over Jerusalem and said, If that's not even down this thy day, the things that belong to, their peace, to thy peace, they're hidden from your eyes, Israel. And Israel was blinded, and they've been blind ever since. And somehow they're back into one nation. God touched a lot of hearts. It's a long story. Don't have time to go into all of it. How much time do I have, Mike? 33. All right. Can't go into all of that. But this, everything, this Christmas thing, Israel thought they could get by with it. 
And when God scattered them, he gave him the 70 weeks of Daniel to repent in. And that last week, the 69 weeks, are finished when Jesus comes in Jerusalem. That's four days before he's crucified as the Passover lamb. But he was presented as the king of Israel. And they were going before Jesus when he come in and throwing palm branches in front of him. That's what they did a king. And they were saying, God save the king Jesus. But the Pharisees took him and had the Romans crucify him, and that made him the Passover lamb. And this goes all the way. So Israel has been in captivity, and the Bible says in Luke 21, 24, they, the Jews, shall fall by the sword. They'll be led away captive into all nations, for 2,600 years until the time of the Gentile rule is over. The Gentile rule was over in Jerusalem as of the Six-Day War of 1967. The first time they ruled themselves in Jerusalem since 586 B.C. And concerning this verse... The Bible says, when you see these things begin to come to pass, then lift up your heads and look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. And the Bible says, this generation shall not pass away until all is fulfilled. We're looking, we're staring eternity in the eye. I'm staring eternity in the eye. Any way you look at it, I'm 80 years old. I ain't going to live much longer than this. I don't know many people live past 90. So let's just say I got nine and a half years to live at the most. Well, Jim, that sounds sad. Well, it's not because I'm tired of this body. If God will make you tired of yourself, you look forward to his coming. Paul said, I have a desire to part be with Christ in that first chapter of Philippians. But he said, it's more necessary that I remain here for the church. The only reason I want to remain here is for you. And keep teaching you, because I know there's no teaching going on out here, like what I'm teaching. All of these stories of Israel, it's not happening. I I really look forward to leaving this body. My old body is, it's not very well. Mary's not very well. It's just that's what you get when you get 75 or 80. Then again, you can't depend on your body no more, can you? You can't. It, you say, I'm not going to get old like it. Yes, you will. <laughs> what do you mean you're not going to do this? And other young people think, well, I ain't going to get that old. Well, I can't do nothing. Yeah, you will. I don't care if you like jumping out of planes and 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 ice skiing and, and going skating. And You're not going to want to do that. I don't want to do the things. The Bible says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in the days of my youth anymore. I don't want to do the things that I want to do at 20 years old. Don't like to go to the fair. That's one of the worst things. If you really want to just really make me miserable, drag me to a fair. Please don't make me go. 
But I loved the fair when I was 15. We lived about a half a mile from it, and I used to walk down there, and I thought, this is the greatest thing, to throw nickels at a plate and try to win something. <laughs> it's stupid. And you end up putting $5 out there, and finally they give you a little bitty plastic plate. And you paid $5 for it in 1952. And the five dollars could buy bought a lot back then. All right, now I just want to show you where God scattered Israel. I had a lot of other things to say. What happened to Sanballat? Sanballat. Well, what happened to Tatnai was the thing. Tatnai. Tatnai. When Darius, when Darius. When he finds the original decree that was given by Cyrus, he looks at Tatanai. He says, Tatanai, now you will go back to Israel with these Jews, and you will finance the rebuilding of the temple out of your money. You got that? And if you don't, I'll hang you on a tree, Tatanai. And Tatanai is jumping around like a cat on a hot tin roof going, Okay, sir. Yes, sir. And he said, You're going to pay for it. So when you start giving the preacher a hard time, watch out. You may end up like Tatanai dancing around and going, Okay, all right, God. All right. Now, and I've got a lot more to say about these Decrees. I usually go through them. I did 18 months on seven, Sunday morning on the 70 weeks of Daniel. I went through all the details of all the people. I'll just pitch this in once in a while, kind of let you see what the 70 weeks is about. It's a time for Israel to repent. The 70th week will come at the end of time. Seven years. Have you ever heard of the seven years of great tribulation? God's going to divide it in two, into three and a half years and three and a half years. And he's going to divide it in two, and there'll be peace in this first three and a half, and then God will turn the world upside down in the second three and a half years. And when he comes back, he will destroy the man of sin, we're going to have peace one day. But it won't be this false peace in this world. These guys, those guys in in Washington, they don't know nothing about this book. I'd like to sit down with the president. So let me show you that you don't have any answers and neither did Clinton and neither did Bush. Neither does anybody. Reagan didn't have any answers. None of them. The Bible says so. Now, who are you going to believe, Washington or the Bible? I, I don't trust any of those guys. They all got a way out, and they're going to do this or do that. We'll impeach this one, or we'll sue that one. And what gets me, they want to reveal some guy that's having an affair with a, a woman up there in Washington, and all the guys on the committee that's examining them, some of them have got girls in their apartments, and it's like, it's just ridiculous. It's hypocrisy. When Thomas was up for uh, uh, to be made a supreme judge, 
remember what's his first name Thomas Clarence. Uh, Clarence Thomas was up and this lady was having him examined before this committee and and uh, Joe Biden was the one of the heads of the committee asking her questions and another one of the heads was Ted Kennedy and he was kind of crawling under the table when they was asking questions because <laughs> Yeah, it would be hypocrisy on hypocrisy for him asking Clarence Thomas about his affair with this woman or what he was trying to do when he was messing with women all the time. It's it's a game they play. I don't trust any of the. You know why I don't trust them? Not because of what the news says, because this book. That's why I don't trust them. There is no answer to our problems in this world it's not there if it is if there's answers then throw your bible away and let's party okay that's what they're doing <laughs> they threw theirs away and they already partied now i want to show you where northern israel was scattered go over to second kings i was going to give you a lot of these kings this morning and I kind of deferred and went away and went somewhere else. In Second Kings, northern Israel, headed up by Joseph, or Samaria, if you'll read your Bible slow and pay real close attention, you will see what's going on. When the Bible says over in Micah the first chapter, the transgression of Jacob, what is it? The Bible says, is it not Samaria? If you know who Samaria is, northern Israel, they brought the transgressions of fire and tree worship into northern Israel. It was Ahab. It was Ahab, the king of northern Israel, or Samaria, that married Jezebel up here and brought this into northern Israel. So, the transgressions of northern Israel, transgression of all of Israel, was Ahab and Jezebel. They brought it in. They brought Christmas in. Now, I had more to read you. Maybe I'll read it next week out of 4,000 years of Christmas. That's an interesting book. Let me set these aside. I can't give you, I just always want to document things for you so you can see these things if you learn about the 70 weeks of Daniel you'll know something that most of the preachers in America know nothing about if you ask the average preacher can you tell me about the 70 weeks of Daniel well we, we don't uh, study that deep we believe God's more interested that we study the New Testament and we study uh, the death of Jesus and, and how he loved us and they you know, just take off and go into a they are chicken. And they ain't never studied and they don't know nothing about it. I've never, do you know I've never heard a preacher preach on the 70 weeks of Daniel? Nobody. They don't know that's what Christmas is about. A time for Israel to repent. Now look here. And we're just going to look at Israel, northern Israel being scattered. This is the first scattering when you look at this map up here, it says United Kingdom. 
This is where it was one nation, 12 tribes, one rule. Saul was the first man king, then he didn't do the will of God. Then David was of the tribe of Judah. Saul was of the wrong tribe. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. When the people said, we want a king, he said, I'll give you a king. He'll be of the wrong tribe, and I'll have to give him an evil heart and show you, you can't tell me what to do. So evil spirits kept entering Saul. God told Saul. He sent Samuel to him and said, your day's over. It's done. You haven't done the will of God concerning Amalek, concerning what I told you to do there in that 13th and 14th and 15th chapters of 1 Samuel. You haven't done nothing right. So I'm taking the kingdom away from you and giving it to your neighbor, David, who is better than you. That happened in the 16th chapter of 1 Samuel. Gives it to David. David's son is Solomon. He's the guy that had 700 wives and 300 concubines. A concubine was a secondary wife. The thing about all these women, you know he had a lot of good-looking women. He didn't marry ugly women. Had a bunch of beautiful women, and he said, I had everything I wanted in Ecclesiastes. He wrote Ecclesiastes at the end of his life. He said, I'm an old man now. And he said, everything that I've got, I've got pools of water, men singers, maid dancers. I've got all this fruit. I've got piles of gold. I've got everything I wanted. And it's all vanity and vexation of spirit. When you think you need one other thing, vexation is a word that means to grab for the wind. When more, if you're trying to get more stuff, what you're doing is trying to figure out a way to grab for the wind and gratify yourself. And the Bible says it can't be done. He that loveth silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. When goods are increased, they are increased that eat them. The more you get, the more you want. Isn't that true? You get a new car, I don't like that after a while. I want this one, I want this one, I want that. I'll tell you what you do. The thing that's changed my life more than anything is these last 30 years, I've studied the Bible like never before. And the more you learn about you and who you are, nothing, the easier it is to give up the flesh. Because once you talk to somebody about truth, predestination's true. God does not love everybody. He loved Jacob and hated Esau before they were born. Uh, Christmas is pagan and Easter is pagan. And you got to repent and have a daily cross and death to self and self-denial. And the world has to hate you. And the world has to reproach you, which is the word on the Enzo. It means to be infamous. And you tell people that, your car ain't going to impress them. Your clothes are not going to impress them. Your diamond ring won't impress them. Nothing you got will impress them after you learn enough to tell the truth. I, I used to dress up every day, go get in my fancy town car, and look like a million bucks to sell real estate. I was so foolish and so stupid. I was 40 years old and I didn't have good sense. Knew a lot about the Bible, not what I know now. But once God got a hold of me, I just said, I'm going to tell people the truth. 
and then they don't like me. But that's okay. Once you can get four or five people not liking you, one more or less won't matter. <laughs> Once you can get enough people hating you. Well, this guy will hate me, but I'll tell him anyway. <laughs> I know it's hard to become a witness for the Lord, isn't it? It's really hard, especially when you're young. You don't have enough Bible. Watch these DVDs, write down the words, and if all you know is three Greek words, use them. It's such a great feeling when you say something to somebody, they don't have any idea what it means, and you explain it to them. But be gentle when you do it, or and firm. Now, look over here. Do I have any time, Mike? <laughs> Let's go over here to the 17th chapter of 2 Kings. When you're looking at 2 Kings, if you're looking at 1 and 2 Kings... And first and second chronicles. These have basically a lot of the same events. This the book of the Kings has looked at the history of Israel, history of Israel from actually from Samuel. Samuel is the head of Israel as the prophet. Then in the 12th chapter, in the 12th chapter, the people say, give us a king. And Saul becomes the king from there on out. Saul, but God was their king up to this point. So when you're reading First and Second Samuel, you're reading the... Baal and the Grove wasn't... They weren't involved in that yet. They had been involved in the book of Judges and when they come out of Egypt, they had been involved in Baal. Well, when you get into First and Second Samuel, that I call those the book. I call First Samuel. I call that the book of Saul and David because David is made king in the 16th chapter and Saul is chasing him every day of his life trying to kill him from there to the end of the book and Saul dies in that last chapter of 1 Samuel 2 Samuel I call the book of David because he becomes king of all Israel book of David and that's where he really starts making his mistakes. He sees, he sees Bathsheba in the 11th chapter. He had been king over all the nations that all come to give him servitude up to that point. Then in the 11th chapter, he sees Bathsheba. He knows who she is. Because his chief counselor is a man named Ahithophel. And Ahithophel was Bathsheba's grandfather. 
you know she had come into the temple and said, is my grandfather here? He'll hit the veil. He knew who she was. She was on this top of this on the top of of a house, sunbathing, naked, he sees her and says, I want her. And David commits adultery. She gets pregnant. He murders her husband, Uriah the Hittite, by sitting in the heat of the battle. And his commanding general was Joab, his nephew. And he tells Joab with a note that a hit that that you ride the Hittite carries to Joab and says, put him in the heat of battle and withdraw from him so he'll be killed. That was David's only way out. He had tried to get Uriah to go home and sleep with his wife the night before and he wouldn't go. He said, I can't go I can't go have have my wife sexually when my king is in battle. He gets up the next morning and Uriah the Hittite's laying on the steps sleeping. He said, you didn't get home to your wife. He thought maybe if he goes home and sleeps with his wife, that all of Israel will think this is Uriah's, Uriah's son, even though it looks like David the king. <laughs> so David commits adultery and murder. You say, you can't come to church here because you're too, you have too evil a heart. Have you ever killed one of the most faithful friends you have and took his wife? Did you ever do that? I don't think he'd about here has done that. There was not a man that was more. You wonder why God didn't kill him for that. God forgave him because David was reprimanded by Nathan the prophet said, Thou art the man, David. You took this man's one little ewe lamb and you slew it for your visitors and you had many ewe lambs. So Nathan stood before David and said, The sword will never leave your house. And the next chapter, when you go to the 13th chapter of 1 Samuel, Amnon, David's son, sees his half-sister Tamar, lusts after, gets her into his room one day, molests Tamar, and rapes her. Absalom gets that message. He hears about it. Absalom says, I'm going to kill him. That's my brother, but he's going to die for molesting my sister. So he waits two years and catches him at a festival, falls upon him and kills him. When Nathan said, the sword will never leave your house, how do you get to the king who's stronger than anybody around him? How do you get to him? Through his kids. How will God deal with your life through your children? Has he done that to any of you? Thank you. It's just we are we don't know that what we've been involved in. It's not just Christmas. Christmas is serving self. That's what it's about. It's like making up a new doctrine and serving what we want to serve. Now, when you go over here, let me give you this. 
You want to see the scattering of northern Israel. It was northern Israel all this started with. Northern Israel was where Ahab was the king and where he married Jezebel and brought all this into Israel. There's the man that started right there. Ahab. That's an evil name. Don't name your kids Ahab, okay? And don't name your daughter Athaliah. Golly. And, that, and you certainly wouldn't name her Jezebel, would you? No. Don't name her Athaliah. That was the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. And she came into the southern kingdom and said, I want to kill all the seed royal, anybody that can inherit the throne. And she did that, except she missed one Joash. Joash was a good king for a while until the high priest died who hid him and kept him away from Athaliah so she wouldn't know he was there, so she wouldn't kill him. But after the high priest died, Joash kind of went off like everybody else. God got so tired of this. He said, I am sick of Israel doing what they're doing. And when you go into Second Kings, the 17th chapter, northern Israel is scattered. It's the Assyrian kings that come in. Assyrian kings. Tiglath-Pileser. What a name. Tiglath-Pileser. Don't name your kid that. If you name your kid Tiglath-Pileser, they'll call him Tiggy in school. You don't want that. And they had Shalmaneser. That's better name than Tiglath-Pileser, Shalmaneser. And then they had Sennacherib. And Sennacherib is the one that carried them away in 722 B.C. because all the time they were a kingdom from from Saul from Saul all the way through the last king and right down here here's the last king Zedekiah the pansiest king that ever lived sissy king disgusting Jeremiah's walking through the streets of Jerusalem saying Nebuchadnezzar's coming judgment's coming the people going to Zedekiah and the princess said, can we kill Jeremiah? He's disheartening all the people and making us all depressed. And sissy Zedekiah, no guts at all. Well, you can hang him in the mire. The mire was said to be human waste in those cisterns. So they hang Jeremiah in the mire and they hear the rumblings of through the gossip that Nebuchadnezzar is coming to destroy him for all of their tree and sun worship. Nebuchadnezzar had every right to do what he did. They not only ignored God, Nebuchadnezzar was their savior. They had to pay tribute to Nebuchadnezzar for their roads, for his protection. He protected them from everybody. And they started going over to Egypt and trying to play up to Pharaoh Necho in Egypt. And Jeremiah said, don't you go to Egypt. you got to go over here for 70 years and sit down in Babylon. Then I'll call you out. When he called them out, 
less than 50,000 came back and there were millions in Babylon. You know how long it took me to learn all this? All my life. You want to learn the scriptures? Read every day. Constantly read and study. Read these kings. Find out what they were doing. So, it all came in by Ahab. That is in northern Israel. That's the land of Ephraim. That's the land of Samaria. All of those, that's the land of Joseph. That is the inheritance. The king comes out of here. This is supposed to be all descendants of David, the tribe of Judah, Solomon, Rehoboam, all the way down except for Athaliah. She don't belong there. She was a witch. I call her the, the daughter of from hell. Killing all those people so she could have the throne. Do I have any time, Mike? I want to read a little bit to you out of this 17th chapter. And then I will go, in, when Judah is carried away, southern Judah, which is comprised of the tribe of Judah and Benjamin, they're carried away in 586 B.C. B.C. Northern Israel is carried away by the Assyrians, southern Judah, conquers Assyria in the meantime and they're carried away by the Babylonians and you can find northern Israel being carried away in 2nd Kings the 17th chapter that's what I'm get, trying to get to read to and you can find southern Judah in 586 years before Christ you can see them Carried away, 586 B.C. You can see them carried away in Second Kings. The in Second Kings, the 25th chapter, Second Chronicles. This is the demise of Israel right here, right there. No more Israel after this. And all those prophets after them were preaching against them for having done what they did. Second Chronicles, the 36th chapter. This is where southern Judah is being carried away by the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, and by his captain-in-chief of his army, Nebuzaradan. And then you can also see that in Jeremiah. Throughout the, Jeremiah was the last prophet to prophesy it to Israel before they were annihilated. He was prophesying in the streets of Jerusalem in 586 when Nebuchadnezzar was coming into the fish gate on the, on the west side of Jerusalem to bring them to the ground. But Nebuchadnezzar had given orders. I'll just put 39 and 40. It's all those chapters in that area. And Nebuchadnezzar had given orders to Nebuchadnezzar, his commanding general, look out for Jeremiah. He tried to warn this people. He's a good man. Take care of him. And Nebuchadnezzar comes into Jeremiah. says, Jeremiah, Nebuchadnezzar told me about you, that you were honest. You tried to warn these people because they have ignored him as their, as their savior uh, physically. 
that they have been knowing their God. And he said, if you want to go to Babylon, we'll give you land. If you want to stay here, we'll give you land here. You won't have to hurt again the rest of your life. That's what Nebuchadnezzar did for Jeremiah. And they were trying to kill him. Jeremiah said, no, I don't need anything. I'm tired. I'm going to stay here in the land with the poor people and help take care of them. That's what God wants us to do. Stay with the poor. Look out for them. I don't have time to read this, but the 17th chapter will tell you all about northern Israel being carried away. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, began Hoshea, the son of Elah, to reign in Samaria. Samaria is northern Israel. So in the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, it tells you who began to reign in Samaria. Pay that kind of attention when you're reading. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, Hoshea began to reign in Samaria. If it says begin to reign in Samaria, that means northern Israel. If it says begin to reign in Judah, it means southern Israel. So he goes on to say here, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Most of these kings were doing evil. But not as the kings of Israel that were before him. Against him came up Shalmaneser, one of the kings of Assyria. They had, I'm out of time. I'm going to have to stop. I'm going to come back and go through these deportations. And they were deported because they went after Baal and the grove and all the gods of Egypt and the gods of Syria and the gods of Lebanon and the gods of... Israel would take on any gods they needed to to keep from having to keep the sabbatical years. We ain't going to do that. You think we're going to sit down for a year and not work, not harvest? No. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Lord, thank you for hope. We can see what's happening when we know the scriptures. I can see what's happening to the world. Its demise is coming. It can't be delayed much longer. Thank you for truth. Cause us to continue your work. Open the hearts of the elect saints. Lead us to them. Cause them to come to truth, and you will in your time. Let us your elect fight our battles. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, I hope we get in this picture. Well, are y'all learning these things a little bit at a time? Oh, 
horse. I've been listening to Chronicles and Kings. Heavy. Yeah. Because it's really cool. You're, start, you're teaching stuff that I've been listening to the last That's good. few weeks. Hey, Dwayne. Hey, what's up, Dwayne? San Francisco. No, sir. <laughs> Not in my house. Not my house. Not mine either. <laughs> I've been pulling for Kansas City for a long time. How are you doing? How are you doing, teacher? How are you doing? Good. Uh, you're still using that box over there, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. You can do that. Thank you. Thank you. Very much. Thank you. I a, oh, I'm exactly, because I do my Bible every morning. You what? Yeah, I do my Bible every morning when I go, you know. Um, do your what? Things. Read the Bible every morning. Oh, okay. And do study. And we're, I'm exactly where you are. How are you? It's, yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> it is. When you start learning the Bible, everything changes. Especially when you learn predestination. You see it all through the Bible. And what's happening in our government? Huh? What's happening in Washington? Oh, they're crazy. Glaringly. I think they're, I think they're all... Oh, it's coming. You know what I believe? I believe they all need a great big red nose and some big yellow shoes, and they need to join the circus. Nobody could walk in the door. It's trouble. <laughs> they get their nose caught. Yeah, they do. It's, it's crazy. I think they're nuts, all of them. Until the next time. Okay. We love you, brother. Clarksville. Huh? I made some food for a lady in Clarksville. Oh, you live in Clarksville? No, lady I know up there. You what? Made some food. I'm going to take up there for their lunch. Oh, to who? A lady that I know up there. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, come on back. You join us. We love you. Love anybody who believes the truth. That's our brothers and sisters. That's what Jesus said.